What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude. And before we get into anything else, we actually have some underdog fantasy stuff related to Sam Celtics, who sadly just beat the Philadelphia 76ers in game two. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Sam, if you go on underdog right now, mm-hmm. you can I think that underdog they feel bad for me. So they're trying to just give me a layup here. Because mm-hmm. if you go on underdog either Thursday or Friday before Sixers Celtics game three. All you have to do is hit higher on 0.5 points for Jalen Brown. And you basically get a layup just like we did with the RJ Barrett pick the other day. Then you only have to hit on one other pick in order to get a payout. So you could do LeBron James points. You could do Anthony Davis. You could do Steph Curry. There's plenty of options on underdog right now. If you hit this, and by the way, I don't know if you saw my last ticket, Sam, uh, but I did one yesterday before the game. You had now, uh, you had JB higher on points, right, at 25. And he hid exactly 25 <laughs> before he was pulled. So technically not a loss, but also technically not a win. So the streak <laughs> continues. Yeah. I had Joel lower points because Joel always struggles in his first game back. And, uh, and I had JB higher points. Uh, and unfortunately both, uh, you know, it it did not, it did not go through, but we're getting closer to actually hitting. So I'm going to pick one here so that hopefully we can get one, right. I'm looking step has 31 for his right now. Okay. Like we're going to talk about Lakers warriors a little bit later, but like, I just feel like in order for the Warriors to really make a statement in this game, they're going to run a ton of Steph pick and roll because the Lakers showed their cards in the first game. They're committed to running drop with Anthony Davis. So he can stay in that paint rim area. And Mm -hmm. they ran the fourth least uh, pick and rolls that they've run all season in that game. The golden state warriors did. So I think that that will be a major adjustment in this game. So I'm going to go higher on Steph's points and, say that he's going to score more than 31. He's done it four times already in the playoffs. So I know they've played a decent amount of games, but it feels like that's a safe pick to have going into this game. So if you put $10 on Jalen Brown's layup of 0.5 points higher and Steph Curry's 31 points, then you can get $30 payout on there. So go on to underdog today use the promo code slop s-l-o-p and get a 100 dollars deposit match when you sign up you can also do their fantasy drafts if you're not in a pick em state and they're a lot of fun to do all throughout the playoffs as well um i'm really looking forward to Steph just going absolutely bananas for 50 and then uh, jalen brown getting ejected in the first minute of the game um so that's uh that, that that's the only way this can go um <laughs> That would be – I'm, like, sitting here just waiting for tomorrow. Like, yeah. I'm, like, chilling. Steph goes off, and I'm, like, ah, all I have to do – oh, man, I would be so owned if Jalen Brown got ejected in the game tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, would hate that. Oh, oh no. no. My $10. My $10. I guess my team just has to win a playoff game. Oops. Nuts. Oopsie. Nuts. Oh, man. So, oh. last night we have – Sixers Celtics game two. I did a stream for it. We did not see an appearance from Sam throughout. So that's how, you know, the game went well for the Celtics. 
Um, the My own personal credo is there's no nobody likes a man coming in to uh, <laughs> to, to rub everyone's nose in it. I will only show up to be the bozo clown to be uh, <laughs> put in to be put in uh, mashups and. Uh, fun little Movie edit. trailer edit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my role um, on the on the Sixers podcast. So, but yeah, it was uh, it was not a very competitive game. At least after the first half, the first half was somewhat competitive. You could tell they were kind of easing Joel back in. They were having him be more of a defensive. He only took like five shots in the first half. I think mm-hmm. yeah. he was more of a defensive rim protector. Then, uh, you know, an offensive hub like he usually is for the Sixers. Uh, I think that he was just trying to get his, uh, after this injury, see how it looked, get back in shape, all that shit. So this is kind of exactly, I actually went into the game thinking it was going to be a wire-to-wire blowout because that was the kind of statement game that I had anticipated from the Celtics after game one. They kind of let the Sixers hang around, like you said. Harden kills them at the end. They come out with much more defensive intensity in this one. Mm-hmm. They have much more purpose to the offense, I guess you would say, getting downhill, mm. running the I, I thought it was kind of smart that they were actually running a lot of offense through Marcus Smart, especially when Jason Tatum got into foul trouble because I kept saying on the stream I was like the Sixers the one thing that the the Celtics can do to kind of throw off the Sixers defensive strategy with Joel is go five out. But if Marcus is the one with the ball, it complicates things a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to put Joel on Marcus Smart if he's out at the perimeter. And he's the only one that you'd feel comfortable with leaving alone from three. And you essentially you're, you're guaranteed that Joel either has to give up that open three on the perimeter, which leads to a lot of open shots, or he has to leave the paint, which is what the goal of, the Celtics is. And honestly, in the first half, I thought the process for the Celtics was good. I thought that a lot of shots weren't falling, but they were getting good looks. I felt like the Sixers, every time that it felt like the Sixers could hang in this game, Mm -hmm. they just completely would blow it with either letting up a a quick run, going on a, uh, having a scoring drought of their own, or just honestly, I kind of felt, it's it's terrible to say, I was like, maybe, maybe I'm just coping here, but I'm kind of glad that we got all of, it felt like we got all of the bad things that we usually do against the Celtics out of the way in this game. Mm -hmm. We shot like shit. Uh, A lot of the role players were virtually unplayable. The stars didn't live up to, you know, obviously Harden did live up to game one. Embiid was not his normal self. And that was kind of what sunk them. Like, the, they hung around until halftime. But I, And everyone keeps pointing at this one moment in the first half that I keep pointing to as well. And we pointed to on the stream. The Sixers were down, like, I believe it was eight points, maybe six points near halftime. George Niang gets the ball at the top of the key, has a wide open three, turns it down, which then leads into him driving directly into Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart blocks it, gets an outlet pass down. Al Horford kicks it to Derek White in the corner. Derek White hits the three to put the Celtics up. I believe it was 11 before halftime. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference between being down potentially like five or six at halftime and 11 at halftime. And that was where I was like, yeah, it's just not our night. They couldn't hit a fucking shot. They, the Celtics defense was completely locked in. And even with Jason Tatum, Honestly, not even really being a factor in this game. The, oh. Interesting, <laughs> so interesting. But I, but he's 
he's he's such a good he's so important. It's weird that Jalen Brown had a good game in the Celtics one and uh, Jason Tatum no showed and nobody noticed. It's so weird. It's so interesting. Anyway, you were saying well, it wasn't even that he no showed. It was that he what, what did he go one for nine from the field and he also mm-hmm. was uh in foul trouble like he barely mm-hmm. like he barely played real minutes and i think he had four fouls in like 20 minutes that he played or something it was it was re- even for even for you as a jason tatum skeptic as like the number one superstar guy it was a out of character kind of weird game for him i would say like yeah like he wasn't there to uh, absorb possessions by dribbling for uh, eight <laughs> seconds. Everyone got to touch the ball and got to get their shots up and feel a lot better about themselves. He did get, you know, he did have a pretty good um, baseline in that loss in game one, though. So that that was cool. Um, I love leaning into this. Yeah, it, Celtics fans would be so mad at me if, I would, if I, they could hear this. I like my my thing is Marcus Smart, Rob Williams, innocent. Jason Tatum needs more blame. Uh, Jalen Brown pro- probably gets the same credit. But I, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I thought I thought this. I was actually really impressed with the Sixers in the first half because I actually thought the Celtics were playing really well. I, yeah. I thought the Celtics were playing really well, and the Sixers hung around. But it was. The opposite of game one, where I came into the stream and I was like, I'm alarmed. <laughs> like, yeah. like, because I, you know, I did not think the Sixers were playing well in game one in the first half and they just hung with the Celtics. This was the Sixers with Joel back, looked like a totally different team. Defensively, just made things harder on the Celtics. Like, it made sense to me that those teams were pretty close at halftime. This, honestly, this, this kind of turned into a three point like math thing. And then I think once the Sixers were down by quite a bit, like, you know, it just kind of snowballed. Well, it turned into that Warriors thing, you know, where like you let go of the, like once you're down a certain amount, it just, the front runners. Yeah. You let go. (laughs) Exactly. Seriously. We had said, it was funny (laughs) because during the stream, I was like, look, I can get discouraged, but this is what the Celtics do. They're a three-point shooting team that when they are shooting and making their shots, they're unbeatable. Like, you're not going to beat them if they come out and Grant Williams and Malcolm Brogdon make four straight threes. Like, you're just not – like, if their role players are hitting their shots, they're probably going to win the game, and that's kind of what you have to live with. Like, Mm -hmm. the the only thing I was concerned with from the Sixers' perspective – like, I'm not even really that concerned. They did their job. They stole game one. Mm -hmm. Uh I also thought that Harden had a few in and out shots that really swung. <laughs> he really did. Yeah. Half, yeah. Like it was like, yeah. he, he had three. He had yeah. the last one was like, all right, it's, this is not our night. If, if that shot isn't going in, it's, it went in, hit the backboard and then spun back around and out. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, what can you do with that? Those kind of things. It felt like the Celtics had more energy getting to loose balls. It felt like the, the rebounding thing is a real issue for the Sixers, I think. Yeah. Um, Tobias has been great offensively. Uh, it, it's a tough matchup for him in terms of the defensive end and also the rebounding stuff because the Celtics are the best rebounding team in the NBA. The yeah. Sixers are one of the worst. And a lot of this stuff sometimes comes down to effort and sometimes just comes down to lucky bounces. Yeah. It felt like they were got they didn't have the effort and also all the bounces were going to the Celtics. So if yeah. you put those two together, 
the Celtics just kind of out-hustled them and outworked them in this game. I, th- I think Al Horford, at one point, he was one for eight from three. He might have finished like two for nine or something like that um, from three. Um, but he just had a series of just like misses. It seemed like every time Al missed the three, the Celtics would get the rebound just because of the weird it – w- it was those Warriors rebounds where like you miss the three and it just – springs out somebody might be in possession somebody might be in position under the basket but it just bounces over their head and that's why we were mad at tobias because tobias had two opportunities there to get an offensive rebound and he didn't get either one and then it led to an l3 uh and that was when the sixers called a timeout that's that was when the game was starting to get away from them a little bit um honestly adjustment wise i think that if i'm looking at this from the sixers perspective I think they're going to shoot better at home. I think that yeah. they always do. I think that you have you have to hope that Joel's because here's the thing. Like, it's funny that it's funny that your your best player, well, your best player, mm-hmm. in my opinion, your best player, mm-hmm. um, incorrect, but I can see how you sure. think that. Yeah, had, had a well, and also, I mean, what does Jalen miss? Like five shots the whole series. Like he's been incredible from. A shooting perspective, he's been yeah, extremely but, good. Yeah, but he turns the ball over sometimes in games that they win. So that's he did, I was gonna say he did have a few he did have a few turnovers last night where I was like, okay, I can see but the Sixers couldn't capitalize on it because the Celtics transition defense was actually really good it's last just, night. It's it's you know, like look, Jalen would turn the ball over sometimes. Smart does that a lot too. Um sure. and you know, I this was like a classic smart game, which is like why I'm like a ride or die, like smart, real, real heads. No uh, smart. I mean, I'm sure everyone's thrilled with smart for the reckless play. <laughs> Tobias Harris. Oh, yeah. Sixers, right? yeah, I was going to say, I saw a lot of tweets about that last night. Was um, it, I think it was PJ Tucker that he got. PJ Tucker. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't know. PJ Tucker. Sorry. Um, yeah. But, um, but that's, that's why I love Marcus smart because he has that leverage. You know, he can, he always seems to come up in big games and like, he is like, a weirdly skilled player that people forget about just because he like lets himself be kind of shoehorned into being like the defensive ace, but he can actually like run an offense. It drives me insane that he kind of, that uh, Joe kind of separates um, smart and Rob and kind of has Malcolm Brogdon tied to Rob's minutes. Cause I, I, I think that's just like fucking brutal for our spacing. I know Malcolm Brogdon like technically shoots threes, but that's like not what he does. He just, drives at the basket and it's like rob is always there you should have al i noticed that last night rob was rolling and and brogdon didn't hit him on the roll but brogdon never hits him on the roll it's it's, 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 didn't hit him on the roll but then brogdon hit a pull shot and i was like but that's the thing is that malcolm brog in sixers fans eyes malcolm brogdon is basically prime clay thompson but with a dribble drive game so like because he just never misses against us. Like, I don't know what it is, what has possessed this man, but mm-hmm. he's, it has become, has been such a Sixers killer this year. Him and Karis LeVert, who were historically not even really Sixers killers, both were fantastic against the Sixers, especially as shooters and scorers this year. And like, I, I think that you guys had a get right game from a shooting perspective. You had a get right game from a defensive perspective and the Sixers basically had everything go wrong for them in terms of the things that I was worried about coming into this series, the rebounding advantages, the shooting variant stuff. And then the, how does Embiid factor into all of this? Because it's yeah. not like he, the one that like, we love Joel, but like the one thing that is hard about having a superstar like Joel is 
he do, he's not a seamless fit in terms of like, oh, he missed a game and then you can just pop him right back in. It's like everyone takes a little bit of time to recalibrate what it's like yeah. because Joel has a lot of offense. He runs stuff through the post. He's usually at the middle of actions. You have to run drop with him instead of switching like you do with Paul Reed. And this was a little bit of an adjustment game. I'm glad they got it out of the way this early because everyone was like, Joel shouldn't have played. Joel shouldn't have played. And I was like, he absolutely should have played. Like, if he there's first off, there's no difference between how he felt last night and how he's gonna feel tomorrow. Like yeah. he'll probably with this kind of injury, it's like he's gonna have pain and he's gonna play through it, and he might be limited mobility-wise, but like they need him out here if they want to win this series, and they need to kind of get him back in rhythm and back into it so that by game three or four, which aren't as much, you know, aren't they are games you would like to win, but they aren't must-wins because you stole that game one. Right that those games are now crucial for Joel to be in shape and Joe and everyone to kind of know, know their uh, you know, their, their spots on the floor, how everything's going to be run, how everything's going to be done in this series. And then the main adjustment, honestly, the only adjustment I would make going into the next game is I just don't think Jordan Yang can play in this series. And I talked about it before. I just don't think that like, I think that our role players are all limited. And I think that you need to enhance the the level of activity on defense uh, with a guy like Daniel House, or even maybe going smaller and putting Shake Milton out there when the offense is a little bit stagnant, like it was. How about just more minutes for McDaniel's, or maybe McDaniel's has been playing and I just don't notice him. Like, but he yeah. played last. He was he, he was a little rough like, game. Yeah, I mean, McDaniel's value is all going to come down to. For, for me, with McDaniels, his value is always going to come down to can he stay out of foul trouble and can he hit his shots? And he hasn't hit a three in this series. He took three uh, so far in the series. He missed all of them. They didn't look like bad shots. They just didn't go in. So, obviously, it doesn't feel like he has much of an impact on the game. And then the foul trouble, like, he had, I think, two dumb fouls last night. But I mm-hmm. do think that he, the idea of what you want because you're going to get killed on the glass and he can provide that rebounding and also – defense wise he's one of the only guys that can really hang with the wings that the Celtics do have and by the way uh P- PJ Tucker is like showing up too like, weirdly like yeah, weirdly, like, like moving like, really well on defense yeah, like he's been like very fucking disruptive like yeah. and I've noticed like that he's like really normally when the Celtics look out of sorts on offense it's something that PJ Tucker blew up like usual, sure. or or Joel protecting the rim. Let me let me ask you this because you watch more Sixers than I do. I'm a, I was a little surprised by this start. And I wonder going what about Melton for Maxi and having Maxi come off the bench staggered against the Joel minutes since he's not moving so well. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting thought. We tried it earlier in the year. The problem is that Maxi. First off, if we're going to win this series, Maxi needs to play 40 minutes a game. So like. What's well, the difference in really coming off the bench for starting? Because the well, reason why I think can I tell you what yeah, it's it's Joel and how Joel moves because sure. Maxi is Maxi is just like electric in transition and just like as long as Joel Joel is out there and hurt, you're gonna be like four on five in transition. Sure, like, you know. So I think that kind of neuters that aspect of it. Now, most of the time, Maxi's taking it himself and he's getting a layup, and who cares? It doesn't matter if Joel makes it up the floor or not, but. You know, like, is if there's, like, a trailer, is there, like, a Paul Reed coming down the floor behind you if you miss, you know, instead? I don't know. I I, I just think it might benefit the Sixers a little bit to have Maxi out there all the time when Joel is not. Sure. that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And I also think that 
I I kind of look at it like I think that they've always anchored Maxie and Embiid's minutes together because Maxie himself isn't a great isolation shot creator. He kind of needs like a big out there like Joel to set screens to get separation. And also he's our best shooter. So in terms of spacing up, uh, spacing out on offense, it's always great to have him out there. I'd like him to be a little bit more of a willing shooter. One of the things that's really driven me crazy about him is that I think that he should be putting up eight to 10 threes a game. And in this Boston matchup, because your guys' defensive rotations and your length, like the closeouts are so good and they, they always almost force him to get downhill and get into the paint, which is fine, but like, realistically, even if you need to spot up a little bit further, I'm not talking Jordan Poole range here, but like Eric Gordon used to for the Rockets, where like you're a step behind the three-point line so that you can take those long threes and, and like they just need more variance out of him because he is, once again, he said electric in transition. He's a little bit limited as a creator in the half court. He can make mm-hmm. shit happen when plays break down and he can attack gaps. And he works so well off the stars offensively that it is tough for me to see, like, the reason why we, with the Maxi to the bench thing didn't work is because Maxi can't really lead bench units. Like, Shake leads bench units probably better than Maxi. And mm-hmm. now, like, you're always going to have one of Harden or Embiid on the court, so it, you might be able to get away with it a little bit. But I would like to just see those three kind of figure it out over the course of a series, because I just don't think that you're going you're gonna to win this series if you have unless you go smaller and I love Melton, but like, unless Melton's hitting all of his threes, it's going to be a little bit like the, the Celtics were able to get guys. They were able to close out so quick yesterday that they were getting Niang to take, to, to miss, uh, not take open shots. They were getting uh, Melton to drive to the basket. Even PJ offensively was terrible yesterday because the Celtics were able to just be like, all right, we're going to leave him open. And we're going to dare him to take the shot. And if he doesn't take the shot, we'll slowly close out on him. And we'll make him make a play off the bounce. And the thing that the Sixers can't do, there's like three guys post-closeout on the Sixers that can do anything. Uh, other than like the stars don't really count. But like Maxi, Tobias, and uh, McDaniels are the three that I trust when uh, the, the defense closes out to make a play in a pinch to get downhill, to get to the mid-range, whatever it is. And that's part of the reason why I think that you kind of need to try the House and McDaniel stuff. Because I think House and McDaniels are going to cause chaos on the defensive end. They're going to potentially turn the ball over, get more transition opportunities. And then on the other end, if the team is getting closed out on, then they can at least do a little bit with the ball. Because you guys, you guys, when you were locked in yesterday, like you just weren't giving, we weren't getting open threes. And that's going to be something that we're going to need to figure out over the course of this series as we integrate Joel back into the offense because the offense honestly looked terrible. And it does have me worried about like how the offense looks around Joel in the playoffs when the role players aren't shooting 50% from three. Because you're going to have a game. There will be at least one game this series where the Sixers can't miss and the offense looks amazing. But what happens when the shots aren't falling and guys can't do anything because the Celtics are just on top of all of their defensive rotations? And that's where it really concerns me what this Sixers half-court offense looks like. Because, like, you can't rely on transition the whole game. You can't rely on Joel and Harden just to fucking beast mode you and carry you every single game. The role players are going to have to figure out some stuff as well. But ultimately, this this series still, to me, comes down to can Embiid have a game or two 
like Harden did in game one. Does he have it in him? Like, is he healthy enough? And is he that guy enough to just take over a game in the playoffs? And honestly, I don't really think that he's done it many times in his career. He's had random games against like lower competition where he's dominated, but against a really good defense when locked in, when you guys actually give a shit, um, it is, it has been tougher for him. And I think that that's something that you need to see out of him. Despite the injury, he came back. They said, they said four to six weeks, like grade two there. The other night we had a, uh, uh, physical therapist in the chat on our playback. And they said some of these injuries can be two to four weeks. So I'm assuming that it's all in this gray area where like, but yesterday he only had 12 days off since he had played. Like he was, it wasn't even two full weeks. So my hope is that in the next two games that he gets back into rhythm, that he gets a little bit better with the mobility because he's just not, he's just not there yet. And that that game got him into shape. The next two games are going to kind of define what happens for the rest of this. So before we move on and we talk about like coach bud and all the other news that happened, what was your prediction for game three? Because you you predicted this exact so so your first after game one you made a a tweet thread where you predicted mm-hmm. everything that would happen, and yeah. in game two you nailed exactly what happened. Celtics come out and basically just destroy yeah. them. And- yeah, I was gonna say the Celtics. St- I said Celtics stop fucking around and win by twenty six. It was actually thirty four or something yeah. like that, but you know close enough. So I said I I also am I'm gonna be a little bit wrong. I thought game three would be Joel's first game back. Sure. Um, I thought they might like sit him. So I thought Joel was going to look a little uh, rough. I thought um, Jalen was going to be okay. And I think, I think this is going to be a closer game, but I think the Celtics are still going to win. Um, so you think the Celtics a- win game three? Yeah. By 11. And then um, doo-doo diaper disaster um, <laughs> game four. in game four, like a PJ Tucker game or something, opening the door to the Joel masterclass on the road in game five. Gotcha. Where the Celtics, um, have like five turnovers down the stretch and blow it leading to the Sixers are up three, two going back home to Wells Fargo center. Like are the Celtics over, you know, this is, a, this is a disaster that they're doing this. And the Celtics, I, I again, predict blowout in game six. Blowout in game six. And then opening the door to a game seven where the Celtics are like plus 62 in the series. But um it's it's going going there to game seven. I'm just saying that it is not Jover, Sixers fans. Let me tell you. I will, I I will say, assure you it is not Jover. I did a little bit of research yesterday because I, ca- yeah. I keep saying we know the history of this Celtics team, and I did pick the Celtics to win this series in six. But I, I went back and I looked at the Milwaukee and the Miami series last year, and it was like, Milwaukee wins game ones. The Celtics come out and they they have their get right, get right game in game two and they win. Miami mm-hmm. wins game one. The Celtics come out and have their game. Like it's like yeah. literally every series. It's like wow, yeah. how did the Celtics lose game one? Oh, they destroyed the team in game two. So yeah. this has been a pattern for yeah. the Celtics for for quite a while now. And mm-hmm. the other thing is, uh, I we- do I will I will caveat though. I do think this Sixers team with even with a handicapped Joel is much better than either of those teams. A Middletonless Bucks team and a, a, the, that, that Heat team is, is wild. Heat, the, uh, the only thing is, I will say, that Heat team had the... And Harden had the game so far that showed that he has at least, when the shots are falling, he has the upside of a playoff Jimmy-type game. But like, yeah. 
once again, the Heat at least have the, a guy who can have that game. And I'm like, I know Joel has it in him, but I need to see it still. Like, I, it's been five years of him in the playoffs where it's like he's had really good games and like games where he carries the team through three quarters, but then just runs out of gas in the fourth quarter. And like, at this point, I'm not saying that I think that I think that this Sixers team is better than that Miami team last year, but I don't think that the gap is like massive because they had the coaching advantage and because of the Jimmy factor of just like Jimmy goes off for 45 in Boston and, you know, fucking destroys and, and does whatever. But I, I will say we talked about this before the game yesterday. The do you know did did I tell you this the only team that's won uh game two on the road after winning game one in the past five years? If you don't count the bubble, because the bubble didn't have road games. Um won a team oh uh uh the, the Chicago Bulls against the Boston Celtics. No, five five last five years, oh, not not five going years. far oh. back to the Jimmy Spo. Uh, or Jimmy Gibbs uh, Bulls. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know. Um, so that would be the 2021 Dallas Mavericks, who oh. started what? the series off 2-0 against the Clippers. Um, and then that was the series where every game the road team won in 2021. Do you remember this? Every team, every game was road team wins until game seven, and the Clippers won a close one at, at home in game seven. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, every single game this year, last year, going back to 2018, 2019, if you exclude the bubble, the home team almost it literally has won basically every single time when they lose in game one. So, this was something I expected going into the game. I'm glad the Sixers at least fought for the first half. I'm kind of annoyed that they fell back into some of their worst habits and that the Celtics made some good adjustments. Uh, and Psycho Joe got to yell at the media afterwards over uh, getting mad that he didn't get credit for doing his job. <laughs> I was like, come on, dude. Like, if you guys lost game one and we were at full strength and, like, you just whatever, like, I would be like, okay, I'll give him a pass. Like, whatever. But for him to come out and be like, oh, you don't want to give me any credit for making any adjustments, basically – Joe Missoula. He like, rule. He rule. I, I, I like what the thing that sucks about Joe Missoula is I do love the genuine contempt he has for the fucking media. Sure, and I I'm want, really I want to, I want to like him so bad. Like, I just want, like, I just want them to play normal. Like the fact, like they played normal, they played normal in game two. I'm thrilled. Joe Missoula, uh, being a dickhead to reporters afterwards. Awesome. Great. Perfect. Yeah, like absolutely. I'm all in on that. So, Joe, Sleepy Joe, uh, he's allowed to be Psycho Joe when he uh, when they when they win. When he so. loses, he's Sleepy Joe. When when they win, he's Psycho Joe. Yeah, he's Psycho Joe. Psycho Joe is back. Um, he's ready. He will. He will not back down from any fight. Let me tell you, that is that Psycho Joe. I was Chiodo tweeted and he said Doc Rivers. What did he say? Doc Rivers is 11 wins away from being a Philadelphia legend. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, we can like Doc if we win this series, basically. Until yeah. we lose to the eight seed Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I feel like I, I feel like this is I feel like this is the one. There would just be so many demons banished, though, if you guys won this series. Like there would this, be. 
But if then this, this the ultimate be... demon in Pat Riley. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say the, the literal <laughs> demon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's Brian raises a good point. He's the psycho Joker. He's the Joker. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> did, did Tatum really lead in plus minus at plus twenty four? I probably that's, I don't know. That's, that's very, amazing. Very goofy. I, I can't. Yeah. My beautiful, my beautiful Rob was hooping. My beautiful Marcus was hooping. That's all I care about. So I, uh, I. A big, big win. Um, yeah, uh, I just want to have a message to PJ Tucker and D. Anthony Melton and George Niang. Do not drive when Robert Williams is in the paint. Take <laughs> the open three, guys. Please, please, just like I, I need, and and the Sixers need to lean into the shooting these open threes because the Celtics are going to get them up at such an insane clip, and they're going to get enough open threes that they're going to win the math battle on on any given night. The Sixers need to lean into some of those tendencies that they have not leaned into. They're a very good shooting team. They were the number one in percentage this year and have like four guys who can hit open threes, five guys maybe, that can hit open threes. Um, and, and they need need to lean into those tendencies. So also that the, was, grif- the grifting too. Uh, like I, I well, think that was back a little bit, but I, I kind of I, – I, Maybe this is a little bit of a weird take from me. Mm-hmm. I kind of think the grifting gets gets us out of rhythm in the playoffs. That's how I feel about. That's how I kind of feel about Tatum because Tatum. Like we talked about it's a free throw margin. We both get grifting yeah. left and right last night in the first half, and no one could get anything going. And then mm-hmm. in the second half, when they stopped calling fouls, and in game one they didn't call fouls at all, and and both offenses were just rolling. So like, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that you shouldn't like hunt for fouls because like it's beneficial especially for a team built around Joel Embiid and James Harden that they, those guys run out of gas and they need breaks during games but like at the same time like try to try to get some offense going before you you fall back on that grifting and 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 like get a little bit of rhythm because I don't know I, I think it does kind of just get like throw things out of whack when you're just completely relying on foul drawing yeah. I am bracing for one of these well Far- Wells Fargo's games to be like the 50 free throw like um, sure. You know, like like one that like just ma- admit it, free throws made you cry. Uh, sure. Also, the Lakers seem to be the only team that get that whistle in the playoffs. Like this, the Sixers really have not shot that many free throws through. Yeah. And I know Joel missed two games, but like they really they barely shot any free throws on the road in uh, in the Brooklyn series, and they only had like one game where they shot a lot of free throws. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Reggie Miller who. Uh, I think he said uh, there's there like one time where Jalen went up and I, I can't remember. It was either like Maxi or um, somebody just clearly strips him cleanly. And Reggie Miller's like, yeah, you can see you got him on the wrist right there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, we were like screaming on the stream. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was clean. That shit makes me so mad when it goes against my team. And I just like laugh at it. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like I'm looking yeah. at the thing and it's... Noel and Bede falling over when he gets bumped by Grant Williams? Good. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it's, it's all... It's all it's all fine, you know. We're gonna get the. We're, we're, I'm waiting for the the grift. Uh, the 50 point game is gonna be the one that makes all the the Celtics fans bad. That's gonna uh, that that's coming one of these games. I don't. I'm guessing it's gonna be game four because I'm guessing that's the one where we're gonna lose. So, um, all right, we'll see. I mean, now now it comes down to the Celtics needing to steal one on the road. The Sixers stole one on the road. Uh, tomorrow I'll be streaming on playback for that game. If you guys want to hop on. 
we will be doing it's it's a lot of fun we have even last night when they were losing i was like i i had a good time it was fun yeah. obviously a lot more fun for me on monday but let me uh let me ask you uh final sixers celtics thoughts and we can move on to um you know me being wrong about the lakers um did uh if you're adam silver um and you're obviously um you know you have the script you're trying to put your finger sure. on the scale are you deploying scott foster for game four or game six I think four. If the Celtics win game three, you gotta have. I think he wants a seven game series for this series very badly because yes. he knows two markets, two legacy teams, two two guys that have were in the MVP conversation, like two Harden. rivals. Yeah, two, exactly. Two handling disciples, the most important thing. True. Yes. Yeah. 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 We know that pull. Why? This is why the Knicks get such good ratings because RJ Barrett. Yeah, he's <laughs> a handling guy. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if uh, Steph and LeBron were handling guys like? Uh, yeah, they would be the, the ratings would be through the roof. Through dude. the roof, yeah, absolutely through the roof. <laughs> but uh, Hanlon worked with Steph. Before his shot, and he turned into Michael Kidd Grow Chris. <laughs> alternate timeline. <laughs> Sorry, Drew. Uh, no, that's not true. Don't send this to him. He, he parody. Parody. Don't don't block me. I love your taste. We, we love we love you, Drew. Keep doing yeah. good work. Um, okay, so that is the end of the Sixers Celtics portion. If you want the rest of this episode where we talk about the the recent news of the Bucks firing Coach Bud today, which we literally just found out about, we're going to talk about some candidates for that job. Also, we're going to talk about DeAndre Ayton and Kyrie Slot that we're hearing now, some random stuff that's popping out up there. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Lakers' potential to win the West. And then we're going to read an article about Nikola Jokic that I just thought was really funny. And uh, and then we'll, t we'll riff on the Heat having devil magic, of course. So link is in the description for the Uniball Patreon. Sign up today to get the rest of this episode.